All right, we are back with episode 18, and today it's Time Outs Revisited. This was a popular, actually it was our most popular episode, and it was called Why Timeouts and Yelling Don't Work, and if you look back, that's on episode two, so today we're going to be talking all about strictly timeouts. But first, I'm going to start off with a listener review. It is from Mitzi. That's an interesting name. (laughs) And it reads, great podcast for parents. This team of husband and wife strike the perfect balance of science and relatability. They share their advanced knowledge of applied behavioral analysis in a way that everyone can understand as it relates to parents. I enjoy the way they feed off each other too and use personal stories to explain concepts. This is an awesome review, Mitzi, and today Tyler is here as well, so we'll feed off each other again and tell some good stories. Yeah, and I don't think it's interesting. I think it's a great name, Mitzi. (laughs) Thank you for the review. Thank you. All right, so timeouts. We briefed on timeouts and yelling back in episode two, like I said, but we're going to revisit this subject, and for a few reasons, one of them being we get questions on timeouts often, and we get a lot of people that are saying they aren't working anymore. Punishment isn't working, their discipline isn't working, and it's one of the first episodes, so we weren't exactly on our A game yet, and I don't know if we're there yet, but I'd say that we can revise it a little bit better. What do you think? Yeah, we'll definitely give it another shot. So I asked our audience on a few different platforms just a simple question on how long do they do a timeout for, and about 75% of people answered one to three minutes. A few said as many minutes as their child's age. A few others said they give them a break until they're ready to make good choices. Tyler, what are your thoughts on these answers? It depends, right? Because every situation is so different. It would depend on the age of your kid. What type of functioning level are they at? What type of behavior are they displaying? How high is their compliance? What type of reinforcement systems are being used? So it's really hard for me to give an exact answer with those. I think all of them are great and they can all work if it is working. And usually when we say, is something working, is the behavior actually reducing? Are you actually having to give less and less timeouts? If the answer is yes, then awesome, it's working. If you're continuously giving more timeouts, well, maybe we need to revisit what we're doing. All right, that makes sense. So. If you were doing a test, you'd just say, I need more info. (laughs) So we're going to backtrack and talk about what was said in episode two really quick here. So timeouts generally don't work because the time in isn't preferred. It doesn't address the function. And by function, what Tyler is talking about is the reason that they are acting out in the first place. So for example, he talked about kids throwing food on the ground because They don't like what you gave them for dinner and they complain about it. So you send them to their room for a timeout. If you think about it, this is exactly why or exactly what they were looking for was to get out of eating dinner. Another one is maybe you tell your child to do their homework and they start to whine and complain and you get annoyed. So you send them to their room again. They get out of what they don't want to do and they don't want to do their homework. So they come out of their room after the timeout is done and you're back to square one, which the problem isn't solved anymore. And you likely have more behavior because they're upset that they were sent to their room. Another reason 
timeouts tend to not work is because they require a certain level of cooperation. If your kid isn't willing to go sit in the corner or go to their room, you now have an additional power struggle on your hands that could turn physical, and that is the last thing we generally want. I would say that parents seem to be sending kids to timeouts when they are fighting with their sibling. So they already are being aggressive with their sibling, and then you're trying to struggle to get them to go in a timeout. Yeah, right. and, and this is something that we've definitely have dealt with, especially with our youngest child, Callan, who's just about two years old now. And it's tricky because he doesn't quite understand the consequences of losing a privilege, or he doesn't quite understand taking deep breaths, and he doesn't, he for sure doesn't have those coping skills yet. But so what this is maybe one situation where removing him from that situation is actually what we need to do. And so we could call that a timeout, but really it's it's just removing him from the environment that's necessary to get the situation that we need under control. So Tyler's gonna go into depth as to when timeouts are appropriate. And this is what you would say they are appropriate when you have to remove him from the environment. Yeah, exactly. So anytime there's a situation and that environment is continuing to escalate the situation, and that could be, it could be the environment itself, like maybe a video game or a TV show or something isn't working, or in this situation, it could be like a sibling like Hillary talked about that's evoking more behavior. If we, if there's something, a person or something in that environment that is causing those behaviors to escalate, then we need to get that kid out of that situation. So it may be necessary to remove them, and you can do that. Well, for this dude, he's 22 months, so I scooped him up and got him to his room. The issue was that he was upset with his sister about something, and maybe it was a toy they were fighting over sharing, and it really wasn't her fault. It was probably his fault, considering he's young and didn't really understand sharing yet. So he started hitting her, pulling her hair, and you know, after a little bit of redirection and reprimand and telling him to stop and trying to redirect him to something else, it just wasn't working. So I did, I needed to remove him from the situation. So I removed him from the room and closed the door, uh, removed him from, from the, the living room we were in, took him to his room, closed the door and sat down with him on the ground. And he was still crying, he was still screaming. He was not really trying to hit me, but he was upset. And so I just was going to ride it out. It took about a few minutes. And during that time, I picked up a book, one of his books that was just in his room laying on the ground. And I started reading it. And after a few minutes, he started looking at me and he asked me to read it to him. So I did. And after we finished the book, I asked him if he was ready to go and say sorry to his sister. And he said, yeah. So we walked out. He went to the living room, apologized, said sorry, gave her a hug and a kiss. And we were on with our day. I think that it's important to hit on Tyler did the quote unquote time out with him. He didn't put him in his room, shut the door and let him scream and cry and be in there on his own. He was in there with him. Yeah. And in that situation, it worked out that I was in there with him. I didn't, I wasn't going to, you know, lock the door and turn the lights off or, or, you know, evoke any sort of scare tactic with him through that. Because in reality, it, it wasn't necessarily going to get him calmed back down. And that was the whole point of why I wanted to remove him from the situation in the first place. 
So what would you recommend for our seven-year-old? Yeah, and, and like I said, Cal is 22 months old, right? So this still worked for him because I was able to physically manage him. Uh, and, and it wouldn't put either of us in danger. But like if it was our seven-year-old, she's pretty strong. And I wouldn't have been able to do that safely. Or at least I wouldn't have, have been able to do it in a way that probably wouldn't you know deliver some sort of pain to her. So I would really try to avoid physically handling her whenever possible. So when we're dealing with older kids who no longer... So it doesn't make sense to physically manage them anymore. I'm a huge fan of removing privileges instead of physically removing them. And remember, unless your child has a job and at the age of seven, they, sh- they shouldn't, um, and they probably don't, you're the one who is paying for your child's toys and devices, and technically they're yours, and you're allowing the- your children to use them. And when they step out of line, they're not living up to expectations, it's your right to remove access for a brief period of time to those devices. Now, it's something to be said, though, that you have to be careful not to remove all of their access to all of their fun things um, and make it an all or nothing type of situation without them having a chance to earn it back, especially if we're talking about like a weekend or a break where it's early in the day and you have a whole day still to manage them because you're really going to set yourself up for a rough day with with no behavioral ammunition down the line. But if you do come to that situation, think about a way for them to potentially earn back whatever it is that they lost. Or, you know, maybe you just have other things that they are still into that you could potentially hold, um, you know, as behavioral reinforcement for them. So I think Tyler kind of hit on this, like using an all or nothing. And to go into that a little bit more, if you're doing more than three timeouts a week, then maybe it's time for you to reevaluate your positive reinforcement system. And by that, it's like a sticker chart right now. We're doing a marble jar because remember, it should be a 90-10 balance. That's 90% positive praise and reinforcement to the 10% of punishment or discipline. So if you're doing a timeout, there should have been nine other things during the day that you praise them for. And I talked about this with Tyler in an example quickly before we press record is if it's in the morning and they eat their breakfast and then after they get done eating their breakfast, they start fighting with their sibling. So you send them in a timeout that's a 50-50 split. That's a one-to-one ratio. That's not a one-to-nine ratio. That's not nine things you praised him for. For the 110, you need to fill up what Tyler has talked about over and over again is their behavioral bank account. Yeah. You need to revisit that. You need to keep delivering that positive praise. You need to keep depositing that for that one withdrawal that you did. So, Yeah, and that's usually when we have children who are compliant to punishment like a timeout. It is because their parents have enough in their bank account and they have made enough deposits and they have made enough positive reinforcement statements in their life to then make a withdrawal and the kid's going to be okay with accepting that and being compliant to taking some time in their room because they've had their account filled up. So in summary, I'm going to summarize some of the stuff that we just talked about. Timeouts usually don't work because the time in isn't preferred. The second reason is because it takes a certain level of cooperation. Timeouts are used as a tool when kids need to be removed from the current environment in order to start calming down. Timeouts should be used to only make sure they are being safe to themselves or people around them. For example, Callan pulling his 
sister's hair. He needed to have some space. Timeouts should not be used to rely on the man to manage behavior. It should be a last resort, not a first. This goes for any type of punishment, really. Discipline punishment is to be used when you have tried over and over and over again until you're sick of positive praise and it's just not working or it's not enough. So Tyler, if you wanted anyone to take away one thing from this episode, what would it be? Well, I think you just nailed it. And I'm just going to say it one more time because it's that important that any form of punishment, and that includes a timeout, should only be used as a last resort to manage behavior after you have given tremendous effort into your positive reinforcement systems and ways to build your child up. Because it's that bank account that you're really going to need to rely on more positive than negative to get the, the positive relationship from your child. And if that's not happening and you're not sure where to turn, we would love to be a guide for you guys. So, so please reach out, shoot us an email, shoot us a message, and we'd love to start a conversation with you on that. Well, I hope that this episode on timeouts revisited was valuable to you and you were able to take away a little bit more than maybe you did in episode two when we talked about it really briefly. I'm not really sure where else to go from here. I think that that, you know, summarizes it really well. We will have another really good episode on Wednesday, but until that one comes out, I'd love for you to go back and write us a review on iTunes so that I can read it off for everybody else. And Yeah, and if this one resonated with you or you think maybe it would resonate with someone else, another parenting friend of yours, please just do us a favor and do them a favor and give it a share. Let them maybe hear it for themselves because sometimes you know if it comes from someone else and not from you from a friend or from a family member um, it may make a bigger impact because it's our mission here at the paper change collective and with this podcast to to help as many parents and kids managing problem behavior and, and bring some more joy into their home so if you know someone who we can help bring some more joy we'd love for you to to share this episode with them all right guys until next time we'll talk to you later bye